Banks forced to admit the ugly truth. And embrace the win-win solution or watch communities crumble. Coming up on this week's episode of The Citizen's Report. Welcome to The Citizens Report. It's the 3rd of March, 2023. I'm Robert Bowick, and I'm joined today by Citizens Party organiser and general odd body, dog's body, go-to guy, Glenn Isherwood. Welcome, Glenn. Thanks, Robbie. Good to be here. Glenn, Glenn is all those things I've just described him as. Mm. Today we're talking on the show about the excellent, really, really excellent first hearing of the Senate inquiry into the regional banking closures, and it was everything we wanted it to be, to be frank. So we'll give you a rundown on that. Um, we've, we've launched, a pro, we've launched a, an important process, Glenn, and I think we've struck a raw nerve, and this is going to get bigger as the year goes on. Uh, second, though, we're going to talk about how this, this happens. It's like a perfect storm. This issue and this hearing coincided with a terrible announcement about Australia Post. They're going to review its whole operation and its community service obligations, and there's a solution, and it's win-win. Mm. And it's going to be something the public has to force on the body politic, right? Mm-hmm. And our, if we do that, we save communities all across Australia. We don't do it, kiss, you know, watch, watch the whole of uh, Australia start to crumble or crumble more. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we'll get into that in a second. But remember, please, one of the ways on YouTube you can help us get the message out is help us fiddle with the algorithm. Like the show. Um, if you're not a subscriber, please subscribe and ring the bell icon. Comment in the comments below. We want lots of comments. Give us your feedback um, based on the things you hear today about the inquiry. If you've got more information about what banks are doing in your area, give us that feedback as well. Any feedback, put it in the comments below. Um, share the show as widely as you can because there's going, we're, we are generating media publicity, but no one analyzes these things that we're, that we're achieving like we do on the program. So share that around with people. Um, and also... Please donate. I mean, we've, been, we've started to ask for this for a good reason, that you know, everything we do takes an enormous amount of resources, but it's, it's working. It's having an enormous impact. And we're going, to show you, we're going to show you footage today that this program, this party, our supporters, our activists, the people watching this show now who respond to us when we say, please make calls, please send emails, you are responsible for making this process happen. And you're going to have a, see a lot of politicians jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. We created that bandwagon, right? And it need and it's, it takes a huge amount of work. We're getting a lot of respect for that, but we do need we need the resources to keep it going. So there's there's um, buttons below that you can click to help donate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Also, Glenn, before we begin, a couple of um, uh, announcements. So remember, as we're talking about the regional banking inquiry, we need submissions. The submissions for this inquiry close on the 31st of March. Everybody make a submission. So there's two types of submissions you can make or, or, or combine both together. One is to talk about the impact of branches shutting down, ATMs being pulled out, the, 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 last, the lack of availability of cash as it has affected you and you want to talk about that. Go ahead and talk about it. The other thing is to, talk, is to express your support for the solution. The win-win solution is a government post office bank. Right, that will guarantee services in every community in Australia. Express your support for that in a submission, if you want. And I and, and I not just want. I encourage them. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some little old ladies there yesterday, mm-hmm. right? 
Yep. Write it out in by hand. Put it in an envelope. Put a, put a stamp on it and mail it to the committee. Let's get a lot of those into the committee. Let's make them understand that people still do communicate in these ways, mm. right? You, uh, the, the, the elderly people of Australia, deserve as much in the way of resources and government services as anybody, right? And make them understand that. So, you know, express your support in that way. But however you choose to do it, whether email, upload, etc., make a submission. We've got till the 31st of March this month to, this month to do that. And also, I'll just add, Robbie, if anyone out there wants one-to-one assistance, has questions about yeah. how to go about writing a submission, the Citizens Party is happy to help. Um, call the number for the Citizens Party on screen, the 1-800 number there. Um, one of our organising team will help you, uh, you know, put, point in the right direction if you need any numbers, emails, addresses to send. Uh, but there, the, it can be done. It's not that hard. It's a question of taking up that responsibility, yeah. put, put it into action, um, and you'll, uh, you'll so as, be adding your voice to this. As usual, we're here to help. So mm-hmm. please, please do that. Avail yourself of that. Uh, finally, the last announcement is this is not the only inquiry that's, in, that's, that's um, underway at the moment. There's also an inquiry into ASIC, which we helped to get up. Um, we, we supported uh, John Adams' campaign for an ASIC inquiry based on his report that ASIC only investigates fewer than 1% of the complaints it receives. Those issues, both issues relate because one of the reasons ASIC is so weak and ineffective is because the banks want it that way. Mm. The banks want to be completely unaccountable, untouchable. They don't want to be questioned for shutting branches. They don't want to be questioned how they treat their customers. They don't want to be questioned how they Mm. manage the Australian financial system and they don't want to be regulated by ASIC, and so they're happy they've got a fake regulator in ASIC. Yeah, Robbie, ASIC is like the police officer that's down um, at the bakery eating donuts while the mafia runs the town. <laughs> it's a good a good cop for the mafia, and, yeah, it's no, not absol- doing its absolutely. job. The and banks every- like it this way. ASIC's not fit for purpose. And every now and then the mafia come along to the, that cop eating donuts and say, hey, you could, you could eat donuts for us. <laughs> anyway... So please, that, that's an important thing that's happening. So we know that the, inquir- the, the submissions for that in- the ASIC inquiry have closed. However, none of them have been, or hardly any have been processed yet. So if, you've, if you're someone who has um, made a submission to that ASIC inquiry, what we would like you to do is call up or email the Secretariat of that inquiry, the Senate Economics References Committee, and ask them why they haven't published your submission yet. Because they need to get a bit of a a, um, a a nudge here, right? That that this the public expects this to be a serious inquiry. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that to cast aspersions on the committee membership. Um, there's one of the problems is they have lots of demands on their time. As much as anything, we're asking them to prioritise it. This needs to get going um, because there's actually all hell has has broken loose in ASIC behind the scenes. We don't have time to talk about it today. We'll talk about that in the future. Um, and they're in damage control mode. And what they're trying to do is do certain things to preempt this inquiry, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't be doing. And the inquiry needs to know, the senators on this inquiry need to know that actually they're answerable to the public first. And they shouldn't let ASIC get away with trying to preempt the inquiry and, and say, oh, we've already implemented the solution before we've let you have a chance to look at the problems, right? And one way to, one way to impress that upon the committee is give them a call or send them an email and say, why haven't you published my submission yet? Right? And that'll help, that'll help nudge them along. All right, 
All that's out of the way, Glenn. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Banks forced to admit the ugly truth. And we're t- this was a great hearing uh, yesterday. Mm. Glenn and I drove down for it to Sale, which is a lovely town. Um, only the second time I've ever been to Sale. Uh, we took with us Dale Webster, the independent journalist who did all the work to you know, make people understand how serious this problem, the scale of it, the impact of all these branch closures. And what I was a little bit concerned that because they'd only scheduled a half hour for each bank um, and the, the inquiry went from 10 till 3, I thought, yeah, is that, mm-hmm. is that enough? But it, it turned out to be pretty good, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first up was Westpac, followed by National Australia Bank, and it was good that the members of the committee were able to take aim at Westpac for a whole hour, roughly an hour, and then NAB as well. Uh, Robbie, what became clear is these guys from the banks came making these statements that, oh, we've you know done our due diligence, we've done our consulting with the public, you know, this is all for you know, best interest of people. And, we, and feel we, your, we feel your pain. We, we, we know how, how, we know the impact we're having, you know, but you've got you to see it from our standpoint. The, this is necessary. They doubled down uh, to <laughs> say, you know, this is because 95% of people are in droves moving into online banking. Everyone's embracing digital banking, uh, you know. We're following them. Yeah, yeah. Basically, this is, this is just the trend and we go where, you know, the people are going. And as the senators, you know, uh, question them, pieces of that, you know, that, <laughs> that, 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 that straw house fell off, you know. Well, so I, one huge impression I have, especially from the Westpac guy, the, main, mm-hmm. the senior guy from Westpac who was there, not the CEO, but the, the person in charge of retail banking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that saying, oh, did I say that out loud, right? Um, it was like, you know, Westpac has all these discussions internally about what they're going to do, and they're, they're in their Westpac fishbowl. They all think these are great ideas. Oh, man, you mean, you mean we can close that branch and cut all those expenses, and that adds to our bottom line as well, and those stupid customers, you know, because customers are sticky and they don't really have any other, other options, they'll just have to stick with us anyway. Um, well, let's do that then, you know, and they're all, they're all cheering each other on and getting bigger bonuses, and it sounds great inside Westpac. And for once, <laughs> he had to come outside Westpac and say it in public. And it was painful. You could tell as he was talking, he knew that what he was saying sounded awful. Right? He had and to say it, but he knew it sounded awful. And he got redder and redder and for the, the hour he was asked, there. When, when have you actually engaged with the community? And this inquiry is the first time they've ever had to answer to the public. This is the first time the bank's ever had to go on record and well, have these questions answered by... A representative and the community. Well, let me. So, I'll get you to. Mm. I'll ask you a series of questions. You can illustrate this. We're in the town of Sale. Yep. They the Sale's got it. Actually, lots of banks, but Westpac had announced that they're going to shut the Sale branch. So, mm-hmm. when was the first time Westpac had a meeting with the Sale Council about the closure of the Westpac branch? They never had a meeting. They sent them. They have now. Yeah, they had it. Yeah. Yesterday. Yesterday morning. <laughs> the the when, first consultation, actual you mean, consultation. By that, Robbie, if you mean having the Wellington Shire Council and Westpac in the same room together, it was yesterday. Yesterday morning. And, and Matt Canavan, the chairman of the committee, made, rightly made a big deal about that. Hang on, you're only talking to the people who run the town 
today because we're there. Mm. And, and what did uh, Senator Richard Colbeck say? He mm. said, do we have to go to every town in Australia as the Senate committee to make so that you, you actually are forced to consult with the town? That's the, he ended up, I thought that was a pretty good point. Well, it becomes very clear as well, Robbie, that these banks don't think that there's any obligation at all for them to justify their decisions to the population of Australia. They make the assertion, this is what we're doing because these are our reasons and you have to take them at face value. If you want to do any digging, we don't have to tell you squat. Well, Senator Canavan took, the, took Westpac to school literally to school on the English language. What does the word consult mean? Because he, they said mm. in their testimony they had consulted with the community and so Senator Canavan said to them, did you, um, when you announced the closure of the branch to the town, to the council, uh, etc., was that before you made the decision or afterwards? And the Westpac executive had to admit, no, that was afterwards. So they'd already made the decision, then they informed the town, and they called that consulting. And so Matt, Matt Canavan, the, the committee chairman, said, well, I think we need to agree on what the English language means here. That's not a consultation. Mm. And he, he ended up making a huge deal about and, that. And there was another point, uh, very significant, where Gerard Rennick uh, had the Westpac uh, representative admit that the decisions to close these branches are not ones made because the banks are unprofitable, are unviable. That he said the decisions to close these branches is not because they're making losses. It's because of reasons the banks have made for their own reasons. It's completely contrary to what we, the people, have been led to believe. Now this or told in the in the media. Yeah. So you're so think about what that means. Uh, oh, the banks are commercial organisations. They have to make commercial decisions. And so the assumption that the public all around Australia has, has assumed, oh, well, our branch must be unprofitable. You know, we're a little town. It must, must be unpro It's the last branch left. It must be unprofitable. Um, you know, we can't, you know, if they stay, it's like a charity, isn't it? No. So, and let me just make this point here at this time. The makeup of this committee is very well qualified to get to this point. Jared Rennick is a former bank accountant. He was the head of treasury accounting at, at um, the Bank of Queensland. Matt uh, Canavan, the chairman, is a former Productivity Commission economist. The Green Senator, Peter Wish-Wilson, is a former banker and investment banker, right? And then the, other, the others are, 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 have different things they bring to the table. But these people actually understand the financial industry quite well. Mm. And so this line of questioning, it was, it was, actually, it was actually like a, um, a, a court uh, cross-examination by, mm. by Jared because he, the, the Westpac executive did not want to come straight out and admit that it had nothing to do with the, that, it, that they made the decisions completely separate from whether the branch, branch is profitable or not. And Jared went around in a circle and brought him back to it, and that was the admission. This has nothing to do with profitability because if you look at, you could do the analyses of these areas. Jared Senator Rennick was doing a lot of things off the top of his head about, you know, how many people in the community have a mortgage, how big's the, the community around sale, etc. He was he was rattling this stuff off the top of his head, and he said, surely the amount of money, you know, I think he said, 
he came up with there must be about $8 million a year that Westpac is making from the sale, the town of Sale and the surrounding district that the branch serves. And the cost of maintaining that branch would be less than a million dollars a year, mm. right? Um, and so he forced the executive to actually admit, no, no, this is not about well, profit. To jump forward, one of the um, later in the day, this point came forth from multiple uh, people's testimony that uh, all the big four banks are the same. They're effectively a cartel. There's no difference between Westpac and NAB and ANZ and Commonwealth. Uh, so when these decisions are made to close, for a business especially, it's very difficult for them to just up and change a bank yeah. without all the logistics, the fees, the, the paperwork. And who are they moving to that's going to be an alternative to that bank that's closing? So voting with your feet is a, is a good thing to do, to, to tell these banks we don't like you closing branches, I'm leaving your bank. Of course that's great, but for a business that's not as easy as it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a process. And uh, these banks know that, and they, they were making this big deal about, oh, 90% of the customers we have don't change the bank from our bank when we close a branch. They stick with us, so they must be happy with so, what we're doing. And that, that does go to the point that we've been very heavily emphasising that there's no true competition in the private banking yeah, system, yeah. which leaves, you know, this question of the postal bank front and centre, which were, was very good uh, that throughout the day, uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts... Um, Robbie made several plugs for the uh, postal bank concept and, and the citizens' party, and uh, referred back to our campaign and our uh, work on this on multiple occasions. And drew out and drew out some of the witnesses, like yep. the Latrobe Council and the those yeah, witnesses. At back the very in end. back in November last year, the Latrobe City Council, which was testifying uh, at this event, at this inquiry to the, yesterday, uh, they unanimously supported uh, the pass. Uh, the federal government passing a postal bank bill uh, back in November, and uh, they that was brought out on the on the record yesterday. But other other uh, witnesses came forth to say we need a public uh, a postal bank alternative to what these private banks are dishing up. Because one of the themes yeah. that every single witness I think emphasised the the witnesses or talk about the impact mm. on the community was the question of cash. Oh, they yeah. cannot cannot survive without cash. Mm. Um, Gippsland, the, the Gippsland Council made the point that Gippsland is a black spot, grey spot, hot spot <laughs> of Australia. There's whole huge, huge amounts of it. There's no internet, no mobile phone coverage or slow internet and slow mobile phone coverage. Completely inappropriate for bank, any kind of online banking. Um, and so every community, cash is so important. And that's what... What, what are the, what's the only thing banks are doing more than shutting down branches? Ripping out ATMs, deliberately mm. taking away that option. This is the war on cash, and that was illustrated emphatically um, in the hearing yesterday. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to mention this also, uh, back to Malcolm Roberts. Malcolm Roberts asked NAB a question that was not directly related to the hearing, but it was related to the question of online banking. And he raised the case of Paul Thomas. Now, Paul Thomas is a friend of the Citizens Party. I've interviewed him on our show. Paul Thomas is a cash-in-transit cash businessman whose company is called Commander Security. So he was debanked by Westpac 
um, a couple mm. of years ago, and we, we just covered to give that. people a sense, he's, it's a small business, uh, you know, built from the ground up, an equivalent to Armaguard or Prosegur, but a competitive more, more of a uh, boutique, uh, yeah. you know, more customer service type orientation, and uh, so a lot of cash transit. I mean, he's moving. Um, money around for lots of clientele, including councils and others yeah, yeah. Uh, in across New South Wales and greater regions. And suddenly, his services are being inexplicably cut by multiple major banks, and they don't offer up a reason. So he got he got debanked a couple of years ago. We helped him fight that. He had a successful legal um, uh, mm. uh, challenge to Westpac that successful in certain ways, not totally successful. But then he found another niche. He had he had other banks serving him, but all the banks want to get rid of cash. And what they do is they target businesses like Paul's to knock them out. And they say, and how do they do it? They just say, we're not going to bank with you anymore. What happened last week? It's like though, blowing up the water well in a desert. That's what they're trying well, to do. Yeah. What happened last week was um, NAB wants to now it's NAB wants to debank Paul, but what instead of instead of saying okay, there's a process we're going to go through. At the end of last week, they just cut off, totally cut off his access to internet banking. Cut it off. So he couldn't get on the line. The thing they're telling us we should all do to do our banking, that gives them the power to just flick a switch and say, you don't exist, buddy. Mm. You don't exist as an economic entity in Australia because we, the the bastard bank, get to define whether you exist or not. Mm. And Paul, given what Paul's been through, which has been a lot in the last couple of years. This really, this was really, really stressful, what he's been through in the last mm-hmm. week ever since this happened. That's the power they have. So they're forcing you to go online and they're going to have that power over you for whatever reason you won't see coming and they can just cut you off. And they don't want you to have cash in your wallet in case you want to go and buy a bottle of milk or something. Mm-hmm. They want to take that away from you as well, right? I mean, this, this abuse of power that they're forcing on us and they're getting away with it until this process is forcing them to look at it. So Malcolm asked a question about that, Senator Roberts. He named Paul to NAB, um, and the NAB lady said, "I oh, will, you know, send me the details. I'll, I'll look at it. We'll see what comes out of that. Um, maybe they may decide to do something a little bit different about that particular case because it got raised by a senator in what was a fairly dramatic hearing, right?" It shouldn't take that. They shouldn't be allowed to function that way in the first place. They shouldn't be allowed to take away all our alternatives to their internet banking digital dystopia. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the bottom line. Well, Robbie, you've... Um, and we, uh, just to um, again re-emphasise uh, the, uh, the statement from the New Zealand uh, you know, Reserve Bank chairman um, just a few uh, days ago, who said that, Cash access is vital for social cohesion. Yeah. So, you know, that is flying in the face of everything that the banks are doing. We are a very large continent, a nation, uh, a lot of areas, uh, black spot, grey spot areas, a lot of natural disasters and remoteness. This agenda by the banks to push everything online and digital um, is going to have devastating effects on people in the long term, and it already is, and uh, they are... Shooting down any opposition, and uh, you know Paul Thomas's well, case is exemplary of that. Let's flip that around. To, the mm. governor, the, res, the governor of the Reserve Bank in New Zealand, said last week, Australia's banks are undermining Australia's social cohesion. That's what he. That's what he's saying, people. That's what he's admitting. We're allowing our banks to destroy cash use. 
and the governor of the Reserve Bank, who deals with the same banks, is saying cash use is essential for social cohesion. Mm. Right? So this is why you know, you've got to fight this with quite a bit of passion. This is not just about, oh, what's the best way of doing things? No, no this is, these people are allowed to commit wrongdoings and the public has to stand up for them. And as... Um, I think that that was on one great display yesterday, Robbie. I, that old I, codger at the end said that if we don't speak up, yeah, they'll well, keep doing it. Exactly. And, and Dale uh, Webster made the point yesterday as well that this inquiry is... If, if there is not coming out of this inquiry a regulation on banks to have minimal community service obligations... Uh, or there's not a postal bank legislated, then that's it for a lot of country regional towns. They yep. are going to die on the vine as a result of this process. So this inquiry, there's a lot at stake in it, and that is why it is critical. Uh, we have the resources to campaign on it. Uh, we need you know donations for that, so links are there. Uh, but also the importance of putting a submission into this inquiry before the 31st March deadline. Let's uh, say two more things on this issue, yeah. uh, Glenn. Oh, before you do, Robbie, I want to emphasise that in the middle of the day there was a press conference. Um, yeah, we're about to go to that. Okay, yep. <laughs> uh, but before we do, Finance Sector Union, they, their testimony deserves a special mention. So the Finance Sector Union represents the bank workers. And last year when it came to my attention that, um, uh, you know, they were making a big noise about this and we got to look at their stuff, I knew it was dynamite. But if they could get to present their material in a way that got proper publicity, mm-hmm. it would really show that Anna Bly from the Banking Association and the banks are lying their asses off. Absolute, absolute liars. Absolute lies. So Anna Bly has been going around all the media saying, we are following the customers. The customers are moving online. We are following them. And the workers in that bank, those banks, know it is untrue. So yes, we naturally, you know, probably many people watching this have have tapped their card by now or might have even tapped your phone or whatever. Um, You evolve in a certain way at a certain speed. Um, and that will happen gradually more and more over time, perhaps, right? Even though we should make sure we never get, lose cash. But what the finance sector union was able to testify, and then I spoke to bank workers who were there who weren't part of the finance sector union delegation and they absolutely confirmed it, is that the banks have absolutely been forcing this process. They've been putting their staff under enormous pressure to harass people. And that's the term that was used. Harass people to register for online banking. Utter harassment so that every time you go in and you want to line up and talk to that teller, they have to say to you, have you registered the bank online? And it doesn't matter if you've, if you've said no a hundred times because you're not interested. They are not allowed to mark on your record that you've said you've made it quite clear you're not interested. So that every time they have to say again, have you registered the bank online? Right? And then they have the concierge whose job, before you even get to the teller, is to try and direct you away from the teller. And... They are the, the, the staff know, as one senator said, by doing this, they are digging their own graves because by following the orders and succeeding in registering a certain number of people online, that's when the bank will shut and they lose their jobs. They are literally, when in employment terms, digging their own graves. And this is a process that the banks 
are clearly colluding on. Clearly. Why isn't one of those big four saying, hey man, what an opportunity. We could be the branch bank of Australia. Can you imagine? I was thinking about that point, Robbie, where there's not one of the big four that are filling in this void left behind by the other three. There are little credit union banks like Heritage, Mm -hmm. I think it's called, in um, Wollongong, that are are setting up more and more branches in a place like Wollongong because they know every branch is profitable for them. If it's profitable for them, if Westpac admitted it's got nothing to do with profitability, there is an opportunity here. One of those banks could break from the herd and say, man, we will clean up. Go, oh, quick, close down faster. We'll take all your customers. Why aren't they? Because there's no competition in Australia. They're a goddamn cartel. They're an oligopoly and it must be broken up. And the finance sector union's testimony is a proof of how criminal this process is down to the level of excruciating pressure on the staff. And one of the staff members I talked to at the end, she was red in the face, red in the eyes. She was seething at the testimony she heard that morning from the banks. She knows what it's like to work at a bank, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing though, Glenn, because we'll go to the, we'll go to the press conference now. When you, when you go through that whole experience, you sit there and you see how many people were in the audience, etc., and you see the unity among the senators and you see the embarrassment, you know, how, how pathetic the bankers were coming across, etc., how powerful the testimony from all the councils was. We have struck a raw nerve. This is a real raw nerve. And it was lying there just below the surface and nobody was talking about it except Dale Webster and the Citizens Party, right? And we made this inquiry happen. And now we have, we've exposed the raw nerve. Everyone can feel it. Everyone can see it. This is going to get bigger all year, folks. Much, much bigger mm-hmm. because we did this. And so for you, the audience of the Citizens Report, who've, who've participated in this campaign, pat yourself on the back. What we're about to show you, you're going to see some very powerful men who are senators of Australia, some of whom, um, one of whom is in government now, um, and two of whom were cabinet ministers in the previous government, cabinet ministers, mm-hmm. all queuing up yesterday at this press conference to identify themselves with a campaign to take on the banks that this um, system, Mm -hmm. the Citizens Mm -hmm. Party organising process, our our work with collaborators like Dale Webster made happen, Mm. right? And and, um, we've opened a raw nerve, it's very powerful. But anyway. I'll add to that, Robbie, that uh, these former ministers from Morrison's government being at this press conference and having a representative One Nation, Labor, National, Liberal all stand there one by one condemning the banks in these strong terms, yep. that is a dynamic shift. It's a dynamic shift that we created, uh, which these... these uh, We've changed the current in the water and, and all these senators are now jumping in. Yep. So they're, they're riding the current in the direction of the water that we have set via our work. So this, so this is, uh, there's, there can be a temptation for a lot of people to say, get cynical about, oh, where were they a year ago? And that's fair point. You know, if this was begun a year ago, it would be a different story. But it is happening now. This dynamic shift is now. Uh, and it, it's not something that you can simply put back in the bottle. This was the first hearing. The report is due for December. Mm. This is going to build and crescendo for those music uh, yeah. enthusiasts out of there. It's going to get louder 
as we get uh, towards uh, through more of these hearings and we'll be there for them to report. So we'll play the tape. Oh, I just want to play six minutes of this. Uh, we can't play the whole thing. It was 18 minutes. You can look at it, the rest of it on YouTube on our, and, and take the time to do that. But it opens with Darren Chester, who's a local federal member of parliament, one of these former cabinet ministers I was talking about. And we'll listen, we'll hear what um, Matt Canavan, uh, Malcolm Roberts and Jared Rennick have to say. Um, and in the background, you'll see Senator Raf Ciccone from the Labor Party, uh, who people say looks like John Adams, the economist. But anyway, <laughs> sorry, John, or, or sorry, Raf, whichever one, both of you. Uh, and, and, the, and the other person in the background is um, uh, Senator, Liberal Party Senator from Tasmania, Richard Colbeck, who's also a former cabinet, cabinet minister. All right. So, um, so watch, watch the dynamic and just appreciate the process that we made this happen, that they're now um, participating in. First of all, I want to thank the senators here today from the Rural Regional Affairs and Transport Committee and for their work in bringing the Senate inquiry into regional bank branch closures here to sale. It's incredibly important that the senators get to hear from the banks themselves, but also from our community members, about the real-world impacts of these bank branch closures on our regional communities. My advice to the banks is to stop being so bloody-minded, stop being so bloody lazy, and actually start listening to customers and work with us on innovative solutions to deliver services into the future. There is a very significant number of customers, whether they be small business and family business owners, or whether they're more vulnerable customers, or people who don't trust online services, or people who simply don't have access to online services. So a very significant number of customers who demand, who need face-to-face services, and have every right to expect that from the big four banks. Big four banks have been getting away with murder when it comes to these bank branch closures. We need to stop it. Enough is enough, and all options need to be on the table. If they're not prepared to cooperate, then the federal parliament needs to look at longer-term solutions in terms of their licensing requirements. That's my personal view, and I'm very interested to hear the evidence from councils, but also from the small business owners affected by these bank branch closures. Thanks, Derek. Uh, well, look, uh, uh, first of all, I do want to thank uh, the community of Sale who have come out in, in numbers here today to express uh, their views, their concerns uh, about the lack of consultation that they get from the major banks uh, and their plans to strip financial services out from country towns. Uh, uh, it has been very clear this morning, very clear, uh, that the big banks are trying to sell Sale a bunch of spin. Uh, they're trying to sell us a, a complete load of rubbish uh, they tell the local community, they tell politicians uh, that they do consult with them before these decisions when what we've been revealed today is that that consultation amounts to an email or if people are lucky, uh, a phone call after a decision has been made. Uh, this is completely inconsistent with the commitments the banks have made uh, to governments uh, when they've said they will do impact assessments on closures. They are not doing impact assessments. The banks are doing a tick-a-box exercise uh, before they decide and make decisions to shut down branches uh, from their high-rise corporate offices in capital cities. I'm glad that this committee has actually forced Westpac and National Australia Bank to come out uh, to a country town for a change because we also learned today that the first time uh, Westpac officials have spoken to local government was this morning uh, and only because they were really here for the Senate committee. Uh, what we're going to do as a Senate committee now is make sure that we do force proper communication from the banks with local towns. That's something I'm 100% focused on. 
we can't have a situation that consultation only occurs uh, when a bunch of senators turn up in town. This needs to be the standard practice of the big banks going forward, and we also need to work with communities through that consultation about how we can make sure financial services are provided to all Australians because it is an essential service. Uh, good afternoon, guys. It's great to be here in the beautiful town of Sale uh, this afternoon. Look, the three main pillars of any town are the hospitals, schools and banking services. Without banking services, small businesses can't operate, our volunteer organisations can't operate, and our most vulnerable people can't get access to essential services. What we've learned today is that the banks still make a lot of money out here in the regions. They're making increased margins as a result of more efficient transactional banking, but they're not prepared to share those profits with the people in the regions. They want to take those profits back to the big cities pay themselves bigger salaries. And that's not fair to the people of rural, uh, rural and regional Australia, which is where most of the wealth comes from. So I'm calling on the banks to keep the branches open and share the profits with the people of Australia. Thank you. Uh, my, first of all, I want to compliment Senator Rennick for moving the motion that we all supported for the inquiry. Thank you very much, Derek. Uh, and Senator Canavan is doing a marvellous job of chairing this committee. I also want to point out that a key, key factor in Australia's banking system is that the banks are protected. They have no responsibility, no accountability. They get risk-free profits, guaranteed. And yet they can't provide community services. I'm normally opposed to interfering in commercial operations. But in this case, we need a community service obligations legislation because the banks are being propped up by the communities, by the taxpayers of this country. And so if they want that, then they have to come up with the obligations as well in, in reciprocation to the communities around Australia. We've actually had a number of inquiries into uh, bank closures in the regions over the last 30 years. And despite that, we've seen bank branches go from 2,700 to less than 1,000 since 1975. And I think one thing, and I don't want to preempt any recommendations just yet, but I think one thing we need to seriously look at in this inquiry is making sure that the banks are actually held to account through legislation. Because we've given them the benefit of the doubt. And quite frankly, they've taken advantage of the fact that we've trusted the market, but they really haven't respected the rights and wishes of the people. So, you know, I know personally I'm not afraid to say that we should have legislation to make sure they honour their banking commitments and their social licence. Um, and I think that'll be a key difference if I have my way, uh, and hopefully the committee will eventually you know, will agree, with me, agree with me at the end of the year, is that we may have to look at legislative uh, uh, changes to make sure the banks meet their commitments. And Glenn, Jared finishes on a very, very strong note there, similar to what you were saying before, that this is going to get bigger all year. He's already, he didn't want to preempt the outcome, but he's saying we're going to, you know, he said if I have my way, we've got to we'll be really cracking down on these banks with the social com, um, community service obligation. Mm -hmm. All right, now, the next, next um, thing we're going to cover is very related, but it's, it's basically, we'll, we'll do this quickly. Embrace win-win solution or watch communities crumble um, because this happened, this hearing happened at the same time Australia Post and the minister, the communications minister, Michelle Rowland, made an announcement. Before we do, I just want to give a plug to the, the um, Australian Alert Service, our weekly magazine. Um, where we document all our campaigns, but also all the research we do on different subjects, including you know, foreign affairs, economics, etc. If you're not a subscriber to that, you should become one. So I'll do that now before I forget. 
But on the question of watching communities crumble, think about this. Everyone there was talking about banks closing. Mm -hmm. there, there, we, there used to be nearly 8,000 banks in Australia. Now there's, there's um, barely 4,000, just a bit over 4,000. There used to be nearly 3,000 branches in, in regional Australia, as mm -hmm. Jared Rennick said. Now there's fewer than 1,000 branches in regional Australia, and it's had an impact. There's 4,400 postal Australia Post outlets in Australia. Uh, Glenn, and there's a fantastic map that we use that um, the producer probably put on the screen. Um, what if 2,200 of them were shut down at, at, at the same time as banks are shutting down? Right? Now, I was going to, as I said to you That's earlier... That's half, by the half, way. 2,200 or right? 4,400, yeah. What would that do to regional Australia? Now, bear in mind, regional Australia is really, really productive. There is so much wealth out there, agriculture, mining, etc. super, super productive. People need to live in those areas, and if they're going to live there, they need services. And I was going to say, I was tempted to use the expression, watch civilization crumble, because that's what a civilization is. The services you provide to the communities, because you're, you, you, take, yeah. you take the wealth you generate, and you make sure that's shared through services that everyone can benefit from. I'm fairly sure the first uh, sign of civilization is a post office, which dates back to Roman times. That and roads. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Good. Post offices are very, 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 very important. And we are now at a position where we've got Australia Post. Um, uh, they sabotaged. Christine Holgate came to Australia Post with the win-win solution. She was going to take Australia Post in the direction of more banking services, and eventually she wanted a postal bank. Mm -hmm. And she was crushed. She was sabotaged for her efforts. Now, one of the... I won't go through all the details, but one of the people who are regulars of this show who watched during that campaign may remember that one of the dramas at the time was about this secret report that was done to push Australia Post down the path of privatisation. It was done by the Boston Consulting Group. Mm -hmm. BCG, the BCG report. And part of our campaign was to force them to make that public and acknowledge what was in that report. And the reason it was an issue is because when Boston Consulting did this report and Christine Holgate was the CEO and saw it, she said, this is garbage. I'm not going to implement this. We can, because they're saying, oh, you know, you've got to remain commercial. So you've got to, Australia Post has to pay its way and you're losing revenue from letters because fewer people are sending letters and buying stamps. So you're going to have to cut services. Mm. And Christine said, no, we can maintain services by expanding the kind of things Australia Post does. Mm. Right? And just to add to that, uh, Joe Hockey is famous as having quoted as saying that what's wrong with looking at privatising Australia yep. Post, um, Ahmed Fahor, uh, Stephen Conroy, these people who were there prior to Christine Holgate's tenure, this was the direction in which it was all going, you know, breaking up Australia Post between the parcel system and the letters and everything else. Christine said, no, that's not going to work. And she saw the power of postal banking abroad and set upon impl yeah. implementing a system for Australia Post to take on banking. So one of the things, yeah. that, one of the things that when I first started talking to Angela Cramp of the LPO group, mm. uh, because, you know, that was from 2020 onwards and we had a Liberal government. From the first time, she said, don't kid yourself, Labor wanted to privatise this as well. We've now got a Labor government, and what's happening with the yesterday's announcement by Michelle Rowland, because if she's announced a review of Australia Post, and the review will look at Australia Post's community service obligation, 
Now the the headline is about the letters. So will they will they reduce letter de- deliveries to every second day, right? Because at the moment Australia Post is obliged to deliver them every day. Will they reduce it to every second day? But that's not its only community service obligation that'll be looked at. One of its community its bigger community service obligation is to maintain. 4,400 post offices. It's to maintain something like um, 1,800 or 2,000 post offices in regional Australia. It's obliged to maintain them. Those post offices are what we call licensed post offices, right? Mm-hmm. And this is now, once they've opened this door to reviewing, revising the community service obligation, this is now what's going to put um, get Boston Consulting Group type parasites to come in and say, you need to shut down those post offices. You need, you need to mm-hmm. turn off. Think of all those dots on the map of Australia where post offices are at lights. Turn half them off, mm-hmm. right? And you then lose a lot of that connectivity through essential services that is just going to accelerate the decline of regional Australia. Yeah, a depopulation of regional Australia because people will go where there's infrastructure, people will go yeah. where there's services. If those things aren't maintained, then people will leave those areas. 100%. And, and, you know, this is ironic because you get messages from the government like, let's let's get out of these, you know, overcrowded, you know, urban sprawl cities like Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane. Go and look re- live regionally. Well, what are they doing to shore that up? I mean, yeah, exactly. it, these are the perfect answers. Um, you know, and we've, we've looked at this, um, going back to how brilliantly the Chafee brothers planned the city of Mildura to open up regional you know, towns and cities for population, but it, there's absolute neglect. And that's, that's a product of the neoliberal model. We're not investing in people, they're investing in, um, in uh, usury and, and, and profit extraction. Now is, it, is, it the, is it the Chinese who, um, where the, the same word for crisis is the word for opportunity? I think no. it's in the China, I think it's in... Uh, the, the, the producer is furiously shaking his head. No. Well, whatever saying that is, <laughs> don't do not edit this out, producer. I'm allowed. I'm allowed to. Sh- I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to show I don't know everything. Whatever whatever saying that is, that the word for crisis is the same as opportunity. Let's let's pretend for for our purposes it is because this is an opportunity because we mm. do have. We just spent the first half, more than the first half of this show, talking about the solution. There is a solution here because guess what? If you set up a post office bank. It's a bank. It'll make a lot of money. Australia Post has to make money. It could provide the services that the private banks do not want to provide anymore and make money for the community in doing so. And both essential services get maintained in every community. And on top of that, you won't just maintain those essential services of postal and banking. 100%, I guarantee it, the private banks will start reopening their regional branches because they don't want to lose all their customers to the postal bank. And so the good news is we know the licensed post office group, which is the two biggest direct stakeholders in Australia Post, we're indirect stakeholders as taxpayers, the government holds the state for us, but there's two direct ones. It's the licensed post offices who collectively have invested mm-hmm. $3 billion of their own money. They are supporting, they're massive supporters of the postal bank solution. They know this is the solution. The other stakeholder is the, is the, un, the, the workforce, represented by the Communication Workers Union. Most of them are members of the CWU. 
they, their livelihood, some of them have been posties their whole life, etc. right? Run, run post offices or whatever. They are big stakeholders in Australia Post. They also support it, right? Mm. The two biggest stakeholders of Australia Post support this. So yesterday in the um, Financial Review by Tom McElroy, when he was writing this up, Australia Post faces fight over daily letter delivery. He had this really important line. The union wants Australia Post to be given a banking license to lock in services and promote competition in the banking sector. So now we've got the union, Glenn. Come, um, I knew the union supported this. They've been on the record supporting it for 24, since 2014. They're the ones that got this think tank per mm-hmm. capita to write a mm-hmm. really good report in 2020. Now the union have saddled up and said, yeah, now's the time to fight for the solution. So this is going to be a public review of Australia Post. It's going to go for, I think, two months. Um, we will announce, I don't have the details right now, but we will publicise this and encourage the public to also participate in that review. And you've got the fact that both of them are happening at the same time, both that review and the regional banking uh, inquiry are happening at the same time. Win, win. Solve the problem. One solution will maintain services for all Australians. This is not hard, people. The only people who won't like this solution are the big four banks. The only ones. And so... Um, you know, appreciate the, you know, how delicious this opportunity is mm-hmm. for us, and we've got to seize it and fight really hard for it. Mm-hmm. And we'll um, we'll keep putting up as much of the, uh, uh, dip, uh, the these hearings as we can that reinforce this central message we've said today. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, um, just want to thank Dale Webster for her work and and uh, her participation in the hearing yesterday. Huge thank you to the senators, especially Senator Rennick, who organised the whole thing. Senator Malcolm Roberts, who's you know just a, a great warrior for. When Malcolm knows the truth, he always he sticks up for it. But all the rest of them, they all did like they all deserve credit. The Green Senator Wish Wilson, Senator Matt Canavan, all all made an important contribution. Um, uh, we and thank to, thanks to the people who are part of the Citizens Party. We have a process that makes this happen. It's bigger, it's always bigger. The things we take up, Glenn, are always bigger than the individual mm-hmm. issue, mm-hmm. right? The, the overtones of it. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about winning our civilization back here. We've been going down the gurgler for so long. This is how you do it. It's rebuild the institutions that make us a productive economy, a sovereign nation, etc. Um, so enjoy that part of the process and stick with it. So with that, Glenn, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks to the viewer. And tune in next week for more of the Citizens Report. Authorised by Robert Bowick, Citizens Party, Melbourne.